why we need another Massa conference. So if you haven't heard the news already, our church is going to be hosting the Massa conference this year, October 29th through 31st, right here at our church, October 29th through 31st. So we've got something really scary for you on Halloween, since you like being scared. You know, we're going to have some fire-breathing preaching on the wrath of God, amen? Amen. But the MASA conference, that basically stands for M-A-S-A, Make America Straight Again conference. This was a conference that we did back in 2019 in the month of June in Orlando, Florida. This year we're going to do it here in Phoenix, and in the future, uh, God willing, it'll be held at other churches in other years. And you say, well, you know, you made your point, you had your MASA conference, you preached against the Sodomites, you know, is this really something that we need to do again, or is this something that we need to do every year, or why, why keep beating that dead horse, okay? So I'm going to preach tonight why we need another MASA conference. And let me just say this, over the last several months, there have been a lot of times when I would hear or see something, and I would begin to just boil with rage, But the only way that I just was able to placate myself was to say, the Massa Conference is coming. (laughs) You know, so this is actually a way to bring peace, all right, knowing that it's coming, all right? So why do we need another Massa Conference? Well, number one is because this issue of the sodomites or the homos is not going to go away. It's not going away. It's not going to get better. It's going to get worse, Okay. And if you would, look down at Luke chapter 17, verse number 28. And this is a great scripture on the end times, second coming of Christ. And it talks about Noah. And then it says in verse 28, Likewise also, as it was in the days of Lot, they did eat, they drank, they bought, they sold, they planted, they builded. But the same day that Lot went out of Sodom, it rained fire and brimstone from heaven and destroyed them all. Even thus shall it be. In the day when the Son of Man is revealed. And so what we see here is that Jesus Christ is comparing his second coming to the days of Lot. And to Sodom and Gomorrah being destroyed with fire and brimstone from heaven. So what we need to understand is that this issue with the homos and the sodomites of this world is an end times phenomenon. This is something that is part and parcel of the end times. Okay. Just as... Sodom and Gomorrah were destroyed with fire in the end times before Christ's second coming. It will be like it was in the days of Lot. It'll be like it was in the days of Noah, where the world was so bad that God had to flood the world and destroy it. And in Sodom, where they were so exceedingly sinful and wicked that they had to be wiped out with literal hellfire poured on them from heaven. This issue is not going away. It's only going to get more Grievous. Flip over here to Judges chapter 20. Judges chapter 20. And in Judges chapter 20, of course, we have the story in chapter 19 about a bunch of homos, a bunch of sodomites who end up assaulting this man and his concubine, and they end up gang raping and murdering this woman in chapter 19 and doing these horrible things. But what they really wanted to do was to do something with other men. They were actually sodomites or homos, if you read the story in Judges chapter 19. So in Judges chapter 20, we have the reaction of the rest of the nation of Israel when they hear about this. Look at verse number 11. 
So all the men of Israel were gathered against the city, watch this, knit together as one man. Folks, wouldn't you think that there'd be one thing that all of us as Christians could agree on, even if you're a little bit liberal or if you're more fundamental or whatever your denomination, wouldn't you think that even if you disagreed on smaller points, that any Christian of any stripe would be able to be knit together, at least on this one issue, that homosexuality is disgusting, it's filthy, it's evil, it's wicked, it's degenerate. Wouldn't you think that that would just be obvious to anyone? It's so clear, it couldn't even be farther from God's plan for the family. I mean, obviously, we know fornication's wicked. Adultery's wicked. All these things are wicked. This is just so far from actual righteous marriage between a man and a woman and that union that God created. It's literally as filthy and vile as you could get and as far from God's design as you could get. And yet today, Christians are confused on this issue? It's insane. Our country has literally become insane, and today they think we're crazy for standing up for what the Word of God says when it's this whole world that's gone crazy, and we are speaking the words of soberness and truth here. And then they act like we're crazy. No, they're crazy. Point number one, we need another master conference because this issue is not going anywhere. It's a phenomenon of the end times that God told us would happen. And we know that on the downward spiral of degeneracy in any society, this is always the end of the line. Whether we're talking about the Greeks or the Romans, whether we're talking about Pompeii, or whatever uh, Romans 1 type of a downward spiral you want to look at, this is the end of the line. Men with men. You know, women burning in lust one toward another. So this issue is not going away. This is an end times phenomenon. But number two... We will never tolerate it or act like it's normal. Never. We will never do that. And let me just reiterate again that no homos will ever be allowed in this church as long as I'm the pastor here. It will never happen. I would rather step down and get a secular job if the church or someone demanded that we allow faggots into this church. It's never going to happen. It will not happen. I will die on that hill. Period. We will never tolerate it or act like it's normal, period. Look at verse 11. All the men of Israel were gathered against the city, knit together as one man. And I'm going to again remind you what I often do in my preaching, that when we're reading the Old Testament, we must find the spiritual application. You know, the Old Testament has all these physical battles. You've got a physical nation of Israel. You've got physical objects like the tabernacle and the Ark of the Covenant. Folks, in the New Testament... All of these things are interpreted spiritually. We don't have an Ark of the Covenant and a tabernacle and a physical nation. We're a spiritual nation. And we don't fight a physical battle against the Philistines or the Ammonites. We fight a spiritual battle. But we need to take these principles and apply them. So here the battle is a spiritual one. Look what it says. They're knit together as one man against the city. The city that allowed these horrible acts of sodomy to take place. Where the sodomites are saying, bring those, bring those men out, bring that man out. We want to know him. We want to abuse him. Look what it says in verse 12. And the tribes of Israel sent men throughout all the tribes of Benjamin, saying, 
What wickedness is this that is done among you? And that's what needs to be screamed from the pulpits of America today. America, what is this wickedness that's happening among you? Say, so, well, I didn't do it. I didn't do it. Yeah, but it was done among you. What's this wickedness that's being done among you? Folks, we don't even want this stuff happening around us. We don't want this happening around us. You say, well, I didn't do it. Hey, I don't even want it among us. What's this wickedness that's done among you? Now, therefore, deliver us the men, the children of Belial, children of Satan, children of the devil, which are in Gibeah, that we may put them to death and put away evil from Israel. But the children of Benjamin would not hearken to the voice of their brethren, the children of Israel. But the children of Benjamin gathered themselves together out of the cities unto Gibeah to go out to battle against the children of Israel. And let me tell you something. When you start siding with the faggots and freaks of this world, you know what you end up doing? You end up fighting against God's people. Amen. So here you have God's people doing the right thing, calling out wickedness for what it is, wanting to get rid of the cancer and the poison, and then you have these so-called Christians who fight against you. Instead of fighting against the perverts, they want to fight against the man of God who's calling it out. And that's what we see here. The Benjamites, they're supposed to be part of God's people. They're supposed to be worshiping the Lord, and they're like, oh, let's go to war against Israel. Look, they end up getting wiped out. How hard would it have been for them to just round up those bunch of fairies from chapter 19 and just turn them over and say, all right, let's not go to war. Let's not have thousands of people die. Let's just turn over the bad guys. But because they harbored them, because they defended them, because they went to bat for them, they perished with them. And let me tell you something. When God sees you going to bat for a bunch of freaks and faggots, you know what? You're going to get punished with them. Well, I'm just going to defend them against mean old Pastor Anderson. Hey, Pastor Anderson's preaching the word of God, and if you defend them, you might get wiped out with them. Because God doesn't want you siding with the sons of Belial who hate the Lord. You bleeding heart idiot. These people are turning our country into Sodom and Gomorrah around us. Hey, I don't want to raise my children in Sodom and Gomorrah. Do you? Well, you know what? Somebody's got to scream and yell and preach against these people. Somebody's got to put up the mass at conference. Somebody's got to get up and cry loud and spare. Not because most churches aren't doing it anymore. Unfortunately, we've got to do it. Our friends have got to do it. I got a thing in the mail this week from some kind of a legal counseling group or something. And they were uh, saying that, you know, they're going to defend our liberties and defend our Christianity and everything like that. But just write a, the big headline on the mailer that I got. This is what it said. The culture is changing. Is your church ready? The culture is changing. Is your church ready? And then when you open it up, it's like you got to get legally protected because, you know, you got to make sure that your employment uh, you know, that your employment guidelines are protecting you and you got to make sure that your bylaws and your statement of faith protect you because, you know, the sodomites are starting to sue everybody and you could get sued. You can get in trouble. You got to be careful. Well, here, let's just lay down some employment guidelines. No fags. There's my employment. Oh, I don't know. Did you get that check with a lawyer? I don't need a lawyer to tell me that we're not going to hire homos at our church. 
What kind of an insane world do we live in where people are even talking about a church hiring a homo? People have lost their minds. But they're like, the, the thing that kind of just bothered me when I got this thing that said, oh, the culture is changing. Are you ready? Is that it just seems like they're just rolling over and dying. Like, well, we lost, guys. The culture's changing. You know, it's all over, guys. So we just got to protect our, our 401ks. Let's just make sure the building's protected. Let's just make sure we don't get the pantsuit off of us. Come sue me! I want these sodomites to come sue me. I almost want to just open a bakery just so I can refuse to bake them a cake. It almost makes me want to become a baker. It's like, well, come on, sue me. What are you going to sue? I don't own anything. Our church owns nothing. What do we own? Hey, here, let me just toss you the keys to the church van. Here, let me toss you the keys to the building. Naked came I out of this world, and naked am I going to leave this world, whatever that's supposed to say. I came into this world naked, and I'm leaving naked. Amen. The Lord gives, the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Amen. Who cares? But you know what? There are too many churches today who have too much to lose. That's what's going on. If you would, go to Isaiah chapter 5. There are too many churches who have too much to lose, and so they're really worried, you know, about not crossing the line. I mean, our biggest worry is just how many YouTube strikes and how many times we can go to Facebook jail. But you know what? The stakes aren't that high for us, my friend, because you know what? If the IRS wants to come in and shut us down, hey, I'll just toss them the keys, and I'll go start a church across the street called Living Word Baptist Church. Amen. Right? Who cares? Because you know what? We got nothing to lose. And there are too many churches, they have too many assets. They have too many treasures on this earth. And the problem is where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. So when you have all these expensive properties and all these possessions, you know, then you start getting nervous. Now look, if you do have those possessions, preach it right anyway. Preach the word of God anyway. Don't hold back anyway. But you know what? It's a lot easier to not hold back when you got nothing to lose. And that's why people are like, well, are you still meeting in a strip mall? Hey, I plan on meeting in a strip mall till Jesus comes. Amen. Because when you got nothing, you got nothing to lose. So who needs a fancy building in this day and age so that someone can just threaten to take it away from you? Well, you can't threaten to take away from me what I don't have and what we don't own. But number one, I said, this issue's not going anywhere. Number two, we will never tolerate it or act like it's normal around here. Look at verse number uh, 20 of Isaiah chapter 5. Woe unto them that call evil good and good evil, and put darkness for light and light for darkness, that put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. Woe unto them that are wise in their own eyes and prudent in their own sight. These are the people that are too smart for the Bible and they approach the Bible and it has all these clear statements condemning the Sodomites and here's what they say. Well, you got to understand that certain parts of the Bible were just written for that culture back then and you know, you got to be able to figure out which part was actually written by God. Like they're just the judge of what God wrote and what man wrote. Folks, the Bible's not a smorgasbord, it's a package deal. It's all or nothing. You can't just pick and choose and decide which parts of the Bible you want. Don't be wise in your own eyes. Don't be prudent in your own sight. You know what you ought to do? Approach the Bible and say, you know what? I'm ready to believe whatever the Bible says. Whatever the Bible says, I'm ready to believe it. I have faith in God's word. 
I believe every word of the Bible. And you know what? Before I had even read the Bible cover to cover, I already believed the whole thing. I didn't even have to read the whole thing to believe the whole thing. I knew it was God's word. I knew that it was inspired by God. And I had read enough of it and heard enough of it to know, never a man spake like this man. Amen. And I knew that Jesus Christ was the Son of God, the Savior of the world, and that this book was pointing me to Christ, and that this book was the word of God. And I believed all of it. And then once I read it, there were things in it that I wasn't aware of. But I already, the moment that I read them, I'm just like, okay. It's like you believe it before you even read it because it's God's word. And I'm not going to ask for a raise of hands who has never read the Bible cover to cover because you ought to be ashamed of yourself because you need to read it cover to cover. But the point is, you know what? Even if you haven't read it cover to cover, I guarantee you that if you're a saved, born again child of God, you'd say, I believe the whole Bible. Amen. I believe the entire Bible, right? Hey, you can't pick and choose. Don't be wise in your own eyes. And then when you start being wise in your own eyes, and you're like, well, come on, you know, we're so enlightened now. And we're, you know, we're so much more modern. And, you know, the Bible's from the Stone Age and the Bronze Age and all this stuff. And then you start putting light for darkness and good for evil because you're wrong, okay? Woe unto them that are wise in their own eyes and prudent in their own sight. God is the teacher, God is the authority, and we are to be the clay in his potter's hands and not sit there and tell him how it is. He needs to tell us how it is. And this book is going to tell us how it is. Now, look, when I was a teenager, I was pretty tolerant of homos because I'd never met one, because I'd never seen one, because I didn't know what they were like, and because I'd never read the Bible. So I had a pretty tolerant attitude toward homos because that's the brainwashing that we even grew up with even in the 80s and 90s. That stuff was already starting a little bit. And so I remember being a teenager. I think I was about maybe, I'd say 14, 15 years old. And I remember when I was like 15 years old, I listened to a sermon where the pastor hit hard on sodomites. And I remember thinking like, oh man, that was a little over the top. And the funny thing is, it wasn't even close the way I preach. But I, I remember I heard that and I was like, man, this is a little over the top. And I remember I spoke to another person that said like, yeah, we were going to share this with somebody, but I think they're going to get offended by that part that was a little bit overboard on the sodomites. And it's like, nowadays, that's just par for the course. It's nothing. But I'm just showing you, even I, I know what it's like to have that mentality. I've been there, okay? because of the, the, the way that our society is and you're brainwashed that way and you just think like, well, it's bad, it's a sin, but, you know, it's just like anything else and blah, 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 blah. And I remember uh, other stories of, of people that I knew where they interacted with sodomites and they said, you know, hey, I'm trying to be a good testimony, so I want them to know that even though they're a sodomite, I still love them and I'm trying to reach them for Christ and everything. And these are the kind of things that made sense to me as a teenager. And I remember one time one of my teenage friends walked up to me and she said, does God love everybody? And I said, yeah, absolutely. And she held out the Bible to me and said, what about this verse? And she showed me the verse that said, you know, Jacob have I loved, but Esau have I hated. And I looked at that. And I was, you know, I was trying to think about this. I'm just kind of like trying to process it. Finally, I just handed the Bible back and I said, you know what? He doesn't love everybody. 
because that's what it said, you know. So then she just kind of, oh, you know, whatever. She just kind of walked away. So then like six months later, I walked up to this girl and I said, hey, I, I, I said, man, I just really want to thank you for showing me that verse. Because when you show me that verse, it, you know, I ended up doing a big Bible study on it. I, I started, and back then, it, this is before you'd Google stuff or you, you actually got out the physical concordance. I'm like, I, I got out the physical, like, Strong's Concordance, and I'm looking up, like, hate, abhor, loathe. I'm doing this study, and I'm looking all this stuff up. I told her, I said, man, I looked it up. I found, like, 20 verses about God hating people. Turns out there are people that God hates, and there's just tons of scripture. And she's just like, what are you talking about? God loves everybody. I'm like, <laughs> I'm like you did this. You made me. <laughs> and she's like, but you know what? That, that should be our reaction when we see the Word of God. It's like, okay, well, well, if my thinking is different than what the Word of God is saying, my thing was like, okay, let's conform that to what the Word of God says. And then, you know, I studied to make sure that, that it wasn't just an isolated verse out of context or something. And then I found 20 other verses saying the same thing. And then it clicked with me. Okay, I need to shift my thinking here. So I understand what it's like to be in that frame of mind. But you know what? We will never tolerate it or act like it's normal here. We know what the Word of God says. And number three reason why we need the Master Conference is because we are having an impact. We are making a difference. I don't want you to think somehow that, you know, well, it's just a losing battle and the culture's changing. Is your church ready? See, I'm not ready to just admit defeat like that and just say, well, the culture's changing. Better get the lawyer on the phone. No, no. My thing is, let, this culture isn't changing. And you know what? I want to stop it or slow it as much as I can. I'm not just going to roll over and say, well, that battle's lost. Folks, we can still fight this battle and we can still reach this younger generation to at least slow down the downward spiral in our country. Now, let me give you some encouraging numbers to prove to you that we're having an impact and that other people who are taking a stand for the truth are having an impact. So I just read an article from 2019, okay, about how, and in fact, let me, I've got it on my phone here. I'm just going to even pull out the article itself. That'll probably be the easiest way. So this is from USA Today article, okay? The young are regarded as the most tolerant generation, and that's why the results of this LGBTQ survey are alarming. Young people are growing less tolerant of LGBT individuals. A jarring turn for a generation traditionally considered embracing and open. A survey released Monday shows the number of Americans ages 18 to 34, which, by the way, is the number one demographic that listens to my preaching, 18 to 34. The number of Americans 18 to 34 who are comfortable interacting with LGBT people slipped from 63% in 2016. This, this is Americans, 18 to 34, say, yeah, I'm comfortable interacting with them. It doesn't bother me to, to interact with them, to talk to them, maybe for them to serve me at a store or talk to them or have any interaction with them. 63% said they're fine with it in 2016. 53% in 2017. 45% in 2018. So even as the media and Hollywood and the TV industry are ramping up on this, 
we see that it's kind of backfiring a little bit because we're seeing a pretty dramatic decline when you're going from 63%, 53%, 45%, 45%, 1718 I wouldn't be wasting my life on something if I didn't think it mattered, okay? No, it's not a waste because it makes an impact. We have videos that have millions of viewers, and so we have planted these seeds in people's minds of what the Word of God says, what the Bible says, and you know what? We've even had an impact on the old IFB. Because even though the old IFB will never come all the way over to our position, we've brought them part of the way oh, yeah. to our position because by ripping so hard on sodomites, we've made them have to rip on sodomites at least a little bit <laughs> so that they don't look like total queer baits. They have to come a little bit over in that direction. And so we've been having a big impact even on them. Amen. And I'm getting a lot of friends and people contact me saying, hey, my old IFB pastor is starting to rip pretty hard on the sodomites and so forth. So I think there are a lot of factors, but I do believe that the thundering forth of God's word is playing a big role in this, Amen. in slowing this down. Because if nobody's saying it, it, ju it just goes forward. Right. But when you have 20, 30 pastors across America that are preaching hard about this stuff, and, that, you, know, and you have a conference like the Massa Conference, and it's covered in the media, and it's all over the news, and it's on YouTube, and you're getting tens of thousands of views over here, hundreds of thousands of views over here, the DVDs are going out, and everything like that. Folks, it makes an impact. It makes a difference. And then those people are going to express their opinions to other people in their lives. And, you know, this stuff spreads. Because let me tell you something. The truth is way more powerful than the lie. I mean, the devil has to brainwash and brainwash and brainwash. Folks, one Bible verse can just cut through all that. Amen. One Bible verse can just smash it, okay? And so we're having an impact. That's encouraging. Let me keep reading more of this article just because this is like a praise report here, you know? <laughs> so uh, the number of Americans, 18 to 34, who are comfortable with interacting, I gave you those stats. Driving the dilution of acceptance are young women whose overall comfort levels plunged from 60... The women are waking up 64% in 2017 to 52% in 2018. And then let me go down here. Among the findings, 36% of young people said they were uncomfortable learning a family member was LGBT compared with 29% in 2017. 34% were uncomfortable learning their doctor was a homo versus 27% a year earlier. 39% were uncomfortable learning their child had a school lesson in, in LGBT history versus 30% in 2017. Uh, tolerance takes a hit. Americans less accepting in 2017. And it just goes on and on here about how it's such a toxic culture against homos and all that. Folks, what's toxic is these, these people's bodies are toxic. They're like a walking, just petri dish of disease. AIDS-filled freaks whose life expectancy is 20 years younger. And you know what? If you actually know math, you can go to the CDC's own website. You can go to cdc.gov. You can go to aids.gov and do the math. And if you actually do the math, which I've demonstrated repeatedly, 
like in my sermon, the homo agenda versus reality, if you can find it online because it's being so censored. But in that sermon, I showed that a homosexual man is 50 times more likely to get AIDS this year than a straight man. 50 times more likely. But you're going to tell me that's a, a natural, normal lifestyle? Folks, that's putting light for darkness, sweet for bit. You're crazy. It's bizarre, okay? The, and isn't it funny how the atheists of this world have made a god out of science when it's convenient for them? Because isn't it amazing how the atheists who worship science as a god and the science textbooks are their literal Bibles and their prophets are Michio Kaku and Stephen Hawking and, and Richard Dawkins, right? And they've made a god out of science. But when science tells them that human beings come in two genders, well, then just discard science. Or when science tells them that people aren't born homos, well, we just discard the science. You know, and when science tells us that your life expectancy is 20 years less if you're a sodomite, then let's just discard that. Or let's just discard the fact that sodomites are 50 times more likely to get AIDS this year, let alone all the other diseases and maladies. And it'd be, it'd be like a whole encyclopedia of diseases that these people are filled with because of their unsanitary, unspeakable acts. It's a shame even to speak of those things which are done of them in secret. Shouldn't even be joked about, shouldn't even be brought up. It's so horrific, the things that they do. Why do we need the Massa Conference? Number one, this issue's not going anywhere. This isn't going away. You think you're just going to close your eyes and click your heels together and make it go away and wish it all away to the cornfield, it's never going to happen, folks. This is an end times phenomenon. Buckle up. It's not going anywhere. Number two, we will never tolerate it or act like it's normal. So we might as well fight the battle. You know, we, we're not going to retreat. So what are we going to do? Just stand here and get slaughtered? No, we're going to take it to them. We're going to take it to the enemy. And I'm talking spiritually. Number three, we're having an impact on the most important demographic. 18 to 34 is waking up. Now, there are multiple factors. Part of it's the preaching of God's word. Part of it's the soul winning that we're doing. You know, when you start putting the Holy Spirit in person after person, hey, that's going to change people's views. It's going to change the way they think about the world. I remember when my wife got saved, her views on a lot of things changed. You know, because the Holy Spirit will do that to you. So every person that you win to Christ is indwelled by the Holy Spirit forever. That's going to make a difference in that person's life and in their views. But not only that, you know, the, the, the reason why less people are comfortable interacting with them is because they've actually done it. They've actually interacted with them. You know, back when I was, it was easy for me when I was 15 to just be kind of like, well, you know, love the sin, love the sinner, hate the sin. It's no, you know, it's just like anything else. When I'd literally never met a homo in my life, knowingly. You'd only seen them on TV rarely or something. Once you actually start getting around them and seeing what they're like, folks, you're not going to be as tolerant anymore. You know, if you had to go to the store with your toddler and your little boy and your little girl and they have to see some transvestite, you don't want their eyeballs being just abused with that garbage. And you know, it's going to make you mad. And, and the more we see these freaks around us, you, you, anybody who's got a normal bone in their body is going to be freaked out by it. So the more they try to cram it down our throat, people eventually just get so gross and they go the other direction. And then all of a sudden, Pastor Anderson doesn't sound so radical anymore as he used to. It's like, you know, well, who was that pastor again? You know, because they're longing to hear somebody say it like it is. 
Whereas when they first hear it, it's like, oh, how dare he? But then after dealing with these people out in the real world, they're like, where was that website? You know, they want to find it. <laughs> but number four, why do we need to have the Massa Conference? Because the brainwashing continues in this country. The brainwashing continues. Even though we, yeah, we're having an impact, we're, we're, we're changing people's minds. You know what? The brainwashing is still continuing and we need to counteract it. Okay. Because there's got to be the push in the other direction. If people are only hearing one side all the time, right, then they're going to get brainwashed. We have to come in and at least give the other point of view. And at least people can hear not everybody agrees with this. Not everybody tolerates it. Not everybody's putting up with it. And what you have to understand is that in this country, there are pretty much two views that are acceptable views. There's the pro-homo view of, say, liberals, atheists, Democrats, just whoever is just not even claiming to believe the Bible. There's the one that's just pro-homo. And then there's the, well, it's wrong, but love them, tolerate them, treat them normal. That's the Republican view, and that's the mainstream Christian view. These are the only two acceptable views today in our country. And they're both garbage. This is a brainwashing trying to get you to choose between these two false options. Right? It's like trying to get you to choose between the Roman Catholic Church that's going to sprinkle your baby and teach you work salvation or the Lutheran Church that's going to sprinkle your baby and teach you work salvation. You know what? It's, it's, it's like giving you these two options that are both wrong. Like, are you Protestant or Catholic? Right? Not even telling you about the option of actual salvation by faith and believer's baptism after you're saved. So the brainwashing continues. We must counteract it. Let me just give you some articles to demonstrate this. You know, the thing that has just been blowing my mind lately is how there's this sodomite candidate, okay, running for president. And you say, Pastor Anderson, are you campaigning? Hey, you know what? I haven't voted since when Ron Paul retired. I retired from voting, all right? <laughs> So I'm done with politics. I don't give a rip about it. But let me tell you something. It's pretty shocking that an open faggot just won the Iowa caucuses for the Democrat primary. Isn't that like the heartland? Small town America. And you know what they said? They said that he won the small towns because the big cities in Iowa just voted for the full-blown Marxist, communist freak Bernie Sanders. You know, in case you haven't been following the news, we've got Bernie Sanders, the open Marxist communist freak who forgot to tell you that his ideology murdered 100 million people in the 20th century, communism. It's not communism. You, you, you know what? Communism wasn't communism. Right? Communi nothing's communism, right? It, it was called the, the, the Union of Soviet Socialist Republics. So what's this guy? He's trying to make us a socialist republic. Well, excuse me for having the wrong term. Even though the things that he believes, the garbage that he teaches is straight out of the Communist Manifesto by Karl Marx, uh, also known as Levi Mordecai. But that's another sermon. But anyway, <laughs> this guy, so, so you've got the full-blown commie. You've got creepy Uncle Joe <laughs> Biden. You've got an open sodomite, an open homo, as opposed to the closet homo, Barry Satoro. And then you've got 
And then you've got the white woman who pretends to be an Indian, who seems to be the most normal person. I mean, I don't know. That, and that's the most normal thing that's going on in this election. But, but you say, well, you know, that's why we need Trump, you know. Okay, well, let's hear what Trump has to say. Let's hear what your golden boy Trump has to say. Okay, Trump says, listen to this article. Trump says he's, quote, absolutely fine with Pete Booty Judge's gay marriage. President Trump said that some people may have a problem, some people might have a problem with it. Folks, half of America is disgusted by that filthy faggot, if they be honest. Some people may have a problem with Democratic presidential candidate Pete Booty Judge, married to his husband, Chasen. And you know what? Sometimes I feel, this is the stuff that makes me feel like my whole life is just an episode of The Twilight Zone <laughs> or something. It's like, I, I'm just like, am I going to wake, when am I going to wake up? This is like a really weird dream. These, you can't even make these names up. The faggot candidate has booty in his name. It's like, God's going to judge his booty. He's going to burn it in hell. But it's like, and then you got his, his, his fag buddy, and he's campaigning in Iowa with his fag buddy, kissing him in front of the whole crowd. And then Joe Biden's kissing his granddaughter on the mouth and everything. It's like, it's like who's weirder? But this guy's like going around candidating with his fag buddy, and then people, people have the gall to get mad at me for my preach. You know, if you're offended by this sermon, just please never come back to our church, because I don't want you around my kids, you fag-loving idiot, you queer bait. You probably have fag tendencies yourself. Why are you so offended by it? Why do you want to defend this garbage, Benjamin? Why do you want to defend it, Benjamin? Go to war with it, or, or you're going to war with God's people. His husband's name is Chasen? What the hell kind of name is that? Chasen? First of all, like, it's got chaste in it. This is, this is the most unchaste possible lifestyle that you can possibly imagine. Am I right? Chasen? What is ch Chasen is like when you beat or whip someone. Chasen is discipline. What kind of a freak, weirdo circus do we have in this country? And, and a bunch of idiots out in Iowa are voting for this trash? You, Iowa ought to be ashamed of itself. Iowa, we, we need to like invade Iowa. It's, it's, it's like, 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 you know how the Israelites are going to go to war with Benjamin? We need to just be like, what is this wickedness that's done among you, Iowa? I mean, we need to be sending like, you know, just, ah, I mean, we need to just invade and just be like, you're, you know, you guys need to be put under martial law or something because you can't govern yourself. You think a faggot with another man named Chasen is normal. And, and we're worried about what people are doing on the other side of the world. We're, we have, we're sending our troops to fix things on the other side of the world. When we had, when Iowa's just this fag factory, what in the world? So here's what, here's what Trump said. He thinks it's absolutely fine. Great. Good. The president was asked during a taped Fox News interview for his thoughts on the societal progress that has allowed a married gay man 
to run for president with his spouse at his side and for it to be normal. I think it's absolutely fine, Trump said. According to excerpts released by Fox News, the interview will air Sunday night. I think it's great, the president added. I think that's something that perhaps some people will have a problem with. I have no problem with it whatsoever. I think it's good. I actually watched that part of the interview, and this was another word that he said is terrific. It's terrific. What do you mean he's a liar? He doesn't believe that. He just says it. Okay, but here's the thing. All right, I'm glad you brought that up. Yeah, he's lying. He doesn't really believe that. He says it. You know, Trump's on our side. As soon as you say that, though, and I'm not, he's not saying that, but as soon as you say that, you're not on our side anymore. Because you know what? You can't give Trump a pass here and say, like, well, you know, he's a politician. He's just got to say whatever. Well, it's funny how he says whatever he wants other times. Isn't it funny how he just tweets whatever he wants other times? And doesn't put a leaf over his mouth, does he? He pretty much says what he wants. Why all of a sudden this? And, and let me say this. Okay, let's give it to you. Well, you know, he's got to do this or whatever. You know what, though? When he says this, when he says, I think it's great, I think it's wonderful. Do you realize that a lot of people, Trump is their hero? Do I have to tell you that? How many people here think that there are tens of millions of people who Trump is a hero to them? Okay, so what does it do to them when their hero says, I think it's great? When their hero says, I think it's terrific. When their hero says, it's absolutely fine. You know what that person's going to think? Oh, well, you know, maybe it is absolutely fine. Exactly. Isn't that what he's doing? Yeah. And folks, who is it that loves Trump? Is it the Democrats that love Trump? Are they idolizing Trump? No, Trump is idolized by conservatives, Republicans, Christians. That's who, and he's telling Christians, Republicans, conservatives, oh, it's totally fine. It's okay. It's all right. It's normal. And then this is what they do. They go back home and they go to their church and say, well, you know, it's a sin, but, you know, everybody's a sinner. And, you know, but they're not actually going by what the Word of God says. Okay. As candidate for president, Trump said he'd be a friend of the LGBT community and even called during his 2016 convention acceptance speech for protecting gay rights globally. Folks, it's inexcusable. I will never support Donald Trump. I'm sorry. I will not support him. I did not support him. I have never supported him. And I never will. Because I'm spending my life trying to teach the word of God and stand for decency and morality and righteousness. And you know what? He is speaking the opposite. Why? What? He said, well, he's going to save America. America's doomed. If you want to save America, win the souls of those 18 to 34-year-olds, win them to Christ, put a Bible in their hand, and preach them the Word of God. Trump's not going to save us, friend. Well, he fixed the economy. Okay, but you know what? Gain is not godliness. Gain is not godliness. Hey, the economy's doing great. Praise the Lord. But you know what? I don't want my kids listening to that guy tell them that it's okay to, to be touring around with a dude named Chasen. Not Jason. I didn't say Jason. I said Jason. Super weird. Go, if you would, to Jude chapter 7. Jude chapter 7. And let, me just, let me just get into some of the nuts and bolts of this from the Word of God tonight. So I've, I've, I've got everything off my chest that I wanted to say of why we need the Massa Conference. And look, folks, the Massa Conference is all the way in October. Okay. 
So this is just kind of a little bit of a, a warm-up just to kind of explain to you why we need to have this conference, why we need to take this stand. And you know what? I, you know, like I said, it, it has a placating effect when you realize that this conference is coming. Because, you know, you, you, you get, I don't know about you, I get mad about this stuff. When, when, I, when it's being crammed down my, my throat, it's just like, I don't want to see it. I don't want my kids to see it. I don't want to be exposed to it. And it, it bothers me. It ought to bother you. And so, therefore, you know, we need to have this conference. So I, I got that off my chest. But now let's get into some of the nuts and bolts from the Word of God. Because I'm sick and tired of people acting like they don't understand this issue or acting like, well, the Bible doesn't really say the things that you're saying, Pastor Anderson. Let's just see what the, let's just see what the Bible says right now. And let's see if my preaching is biblical. Because if my preaching is biblical, then it doesn't matter how you feel about it. It doesn't matter how anybody feels about it. It doesn't matter what our culture is doing or not doing. Okay? All that matters is what's biblical. I'm not trying to be politically correct. I'm biblically correct. Okay? So let's see what the Word of God says. And, and, and let's see if Pastor Anderson's biblical. Now, one of the things that people will bring up is they'll say, you shouldn't say the word faggot, right? Isn't this an objection? Let's just, let's just answer the objections right now. Let's just face the objections. Well, I don't think that you should call them faggots. Okay, now what is wrong with that word is what I want to know. What's wrong with it? I want to know what's wrong with it. I, I, you know, I was thinking about this today and just kind of sounding it out. The people, people today, they think this is like a cuss word, it's bad, it's, don't, how dare you? So I was just like sounding it out today, like, fa, <laughs> gut. <laughs> and I'm just trying to figure out, like, what's wrong with this word? Well, you know, I mean, is it the definition that's a problem? Because the definition of a faggot, if you, if you actually are educated, if you read literature, if, if, you, if you're a reader, if you're a reader, you know what a faggot is. Because a faggot is a bundle of sticks that you use to start a fire. So it's a little bundle of small sticks that you use for kindling. Okay, so a faggot is something that you throw in the fire and burn. Right? So here's what, the, here's, what, here's what the Bible says. You're in Jude 7. Listen to what the Bible says in Matthew chapter 13. The Bible says, Gather ye together first the tares, and bind them in bundles to burn them, but gather the wheat into my barn. Now, the tares, the Bible tells us, are the children of the wicked one. Now, correct me if I'm wrong. Didn't Judges chapter 20 call the Sodomites sons of Belial, sons of the devil, children of the devil? So, the children of the wicked one, the Bible says in the end times, will be bound into bundles and burned. Okay. Now, look what it says in Jude chapter 7, or Jude verse 7. Even as Sodom and Gomorrah, which is where we derive our word, Sodomite from Sodom. Even as Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities about them in like manner, giving themselves over to fornication and going after strange flesh are set forth for an example, suffering the vengeance of eternal fire. Now notice it doesn't say that they were set forth for an example. It says that they are set forth for an example. And Jude is being written approximately 2,000 years after the events of Sodom and Gomorrah took place. So you have the incident of Sodom and Gomorrah, right? Over 2,000 years go by, and then the Lord says, Sodom and Gomorrah is the example. 
suffering the vengeance of eternal fire. That's your example of God's attitude toward these people, right? So do you think it's changed in the last 2,000 years since Jude was written? If it didn't change 2,000 years from Genesis 19 to, Je to, to Jude, why would it have changed from Jude until now? It didn't change. And, and, and you say, well, you're stuck in the Old Testament. Well, does, when, when does the New Testament start? Revelation chapter 1? Because we're, we're almost to the end here. We're in Jude. Jude's is pretty much as far to the right in your Bible as you're going to get. Okay. And he's saying, hey, Sodom and Gomorrah gave themselves over to fornication and they went after strange flesh. What was the ramification of, uh, of going after strange flesh? It was they suffered the vengeance of eternal fire. So what's wrong with calling them a faggot? I mean, you say, well, I just don't like, well, shut up, I do like it. Who cares? Like, oh, I'm offended. But what, what offends you by about it? You use other words that start with an F. You don't have a problem with the word frog or frying pan or, 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 or family or, you know, or, or, or if I said guttural, you wouldn't have a problem with that word or, or what's wrong with that word? Fag. Faggot. It's a, it's a, so it's just a word. And you say, well, it's offensive. That's what I like about it. Because why would I, what am I supposed to call them, gay? Because you know what, the Bible used the word gay one time and it's used to mean like lively, cheerful, happy. So I'm not going to take God's word here that he uses and twist it. Folks, do you really think that homos are happy? I think they're miserable. That's why they have such a high suicide rate. They're always killing themselves because they realize how disgusting they are. Well, I just don't like, what word should I use? I mean, it's like, if I, you say, well, just call them what the Bible calls them, sodomites. Here's the problem with that word. A lot of people don't know what it means. So you got to speak in a language that people can understand. Okay. And I'm not going to call them some nice name. They're, they're evil. The Bible calls them vile, dogs, filthy. I'm not going to use a nice term. There's nothing wrong with that word. I'm going to keep using it. Okay. You say, well, where, where do you find the justification to hate them? You're so hateful. Why do you hate them? Well, go to Romans chapter 1. I'm just answering a few objections here in the closing moments of the sermon. What does the Bible say? Well, you know, while, while you're turning to Romans 1, let's just kind of give an honorable mention to Leviticus 2013. <laughs> Even, you know, Leviticus 2013 says, If a man lie also with mankind... As he lieth with a woman, both of them have committed an abomination. They shall surely be put to death. Their blood shall be upon them. That's what the word of God says. Amen. That's what, when God had laws for the nation of Israel, that was the law of the land. That's what Moses gave. And you say, well, Jesus never mentioned it. Yeah, but Jesus mentioned Moses always in a good way, always positive and always affirming everything that Moses taught. So if Jesus didn't change anything then it's the status quo what Moses taught. He affirmed what Moses taught, and then the epistles continue to affirm that. Romans chapter 1 says in verse number 26, For this cause God gave them up unto vile affections, for even their women did change the natural use into that which is against nature. And likewise also the men, leaving the natural use of the woman, burned in their lust one toward another, men with men, working that which is unseemly, and receiving in themselves that recompense of their error, which was meat. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge. Stop right there. 
Did these men who burned and lusted with other men, did they want to retain God in their knowledge? No, they didn't. So God gave them over to a reprobate mind to do those things which are not convenient. Being filled with all unrighteousness, fornication, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, debate, deceit, malignity, whispers, backbites, haters of God. Stop right there. So have we established these people don't want to retain God in their knowledge and they hate God? How can anyone argue with that? That's what the Bible says. They don't want to retain God in their knowledge. They hate God. Okay. Now, with that in mind, Go to 2 Chronicles chapter 19. And while you're turning to 2 Chronicles 19, I'll take you to Psalm 139, which you're probably very familiar with. Psalm 139. You might have heard this somewhere. It says in verse 21, Do not I hate them, O Lord, that hate thee? Amen. And am not I grieved with those that rise up against thee? I hate them with perfect hatred. I count them my enemies. So the Bible says that we hate those who hate the Lord. Now you say, well, the Bible says to love your enemies. I do love my enemies, but I don't love God's enemies. That's the difference. I love those who hate me. And by the way, many people who hate me aren't bad people. There are people who hate me and forgive them for they know not what they do. And some people who used, who used to hate me, put up your hand if you used to hate me. It's hands all over the building. No, there's only a few. But anyway, a lot of people, those are the ones that are honest. Look, good people can hate me. That doesn't make, you know, that doesn't make them a reprobate. It doesn't make them a horrible person. And maybe hopefully someday they'll come around or maybe they never will, but it doesn't make them necessarily a horrible person. But hating the Lord does make you a horrible person and it does make you trash and it does make you an enemy of God. And it does make you someone that we should not bless or love or help. The Bible says, I hate those that hate thee. And you say, that's, no, that's Psalms. And the book of Psalms is commanded to be sung in the New Testament. Ephesians 5 and Colossians 3 command us to sing songs. We don't just sing psalms as a quaint little addition to our services. We, you know, we're, we're actually following the Bible's mandate. Sing psalms. Okay. And then look at uh, 2 Chronicles chapter 19, verse 2. And Jehu, the son of Hanani the seer, went out to meet him and said to the king Jehoshaphat, Shouldest thou help the ungodly and love them that hate the Lord? Therefore is wrath upon thee from before the Lord. So just like the children of Benjamin ended up getting punished for stuff they didn't even do because they were helping the bad guys. They were helping the sons of Belial. They were shielding and protecting the Sodomites. God's wrath was on them. Do you really want God to be mad at you because of what a bunch of homos are doing? Or wouldn't you rather just say, hey, I'm not going to support these people I'm not going to defend these people. I don't want anything to do with them because the last thing I want is for God to be mad at me because I'm loving and helping those who hate him. Now, this is the word of God. And by the way, I'm not this red letter Christian that only believes the red letters in the Bible. I believe the black ones too. So I don't care if it's Old Testament, New Testament. And by the way, to me, the, the epistle of Jude is just as authoritative as anything in Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John. Amen? Amen. Is the book of Jude like a lesser scripture? Because, well, you know, that's Jude. It's the Holy Ghost. Amen. Well, Psalms. Yeah, David spoke by the Holy Ghost. Amen. Okay. By the way, Jesus quoted the book of Psalms and Deuteronomy and Isaiah as his three most quoted books. So we see here that uh, the Bible is on our side once again. Okay. Let me just show you what this booty freak says. Okay. Here's an article 
somewhere. This article is called The Generous Gospel of Mayor Pete. That's Booty Judge's first name. Since the early stages of his... I'm going to read you excerpts from this article. Since the early stages of his presidential campaign, Mayor Pete Booty Judge has made his Christian faith a cornerstone. Did you hear that? The guy who's just gallivanting all over Iowa with Chasen, okay, has made his Christian faith a cornerstone? He has argued that being married to his husband brings him closer to God. Folks, how can anyone not be infuriated by this? How can anyone have any respect for the state of Iowa ever again? I mean, look, if, if, if anybody out there is listening to this in Iowa, you need to fix things over there, okay? I mean, what in the world? This is Iowa in 2020 now? This is what Iowa's like? This is the heartland? This is America? This is small-town America? Being married to his husband brings him closer to God. That's the most blasphemous filth imaginable. And this is the kind of stuff that's just being put out in the media. And, and what, what, what did Trump say about it? It's terrific. Oh, being married to my husband brings me closer to God. Terrific. Oh, I have absolutely no problem. It's absolutely okay. Well, Trump didn't really believe that. I don't care. That's what he said. Liar. Nobody believes that unless they're just a complete basket case. Yeah, Trump doesn't. No, neither does anyone. You think Booty Judge believes that? Booty Judge hates God and doesn't even want to retain God in his knowledge. That's what the Bible's. So who should we believe? Mayor Pete or should we believe the Bible? The Bible says he hates God and doesn't want to retain him in his knowledge. He's claiming that he loves God. Which one do you believe? I'm going with Romans 1. Okay. He said this, one's views on abortion should not be used by the religious right as a litmus test for one's faith when it's an issue that Jesus never even mentioned. So he's claiming that Jesus never mentioned abortion. Well, let me help you. Matthew 19, 18. Jesus said, thou shalt do no murder. Oh, I'm sorry. Did he have to say, okay, don't murder the elderly. Don't murder boys, don't murder girls, don't murder men, don't murder women, don't murder black, white, don't murder uh, Asians, don't murder... Does he have to just list every... Oh, and by the way, don't murder newborn babies. Folks, that's all encompassed in thou shalt do no murder. So did Jesus mention abortion? Yeah. He said, don't murder. In Mark chapter 7, verse 21, he said, For within, out of the heart of man, proceed evil thoughts, adulteries, fornications, murders. And by the way, adultery and fornication often lead to murder. They commit adultery, and then they murder the baby. They commit fornication, they murder the baby. Here's what else this, this, uh, this degenerate freak said. If you got a problem with who I am, your problem's not with me. Your quarrel, sir, is with my creator. So he's blaming God. It's God's fault, according to him, that he's a pervert, right? That's God's fault. No, you're the one who rejected God and didn't want to retain God in your knowledge. That's why you got turned over to that reprobate mind, to vile affections. Here's the article speaking. For many of us on the religious left... Booty Judge's 
public embrace of Christianity has come as a relief. The fluency with which Booty Judge references the Bible and has implication that one's Christian's values can and should intelligently inform one's policies have served as welcome correctives. Thank you, Booty Judge, for telling us how Christian principles should, you know, affect our politics. I mean, is this insanity or what? How dare you get mad at Bible preachers? And you know what? Look, I've, I've heard sermons on this subject where I've listened to preachers on this subject, maybe some of my preacher friends or other preachers, you know, who sometimes I felt like maybe individual statements that they made were a little over the top. And I've probably even made a couple statements that might have been a little bit maybe sort of, okay, a little bit sort of, kind of, a little maybe. Oh, no, I didn't. But anyway, you know, but the thing is, but here's the thing. I said amen anyway. You know why? Because I'm always going to side with God's people against the perverts. I'd rather that some preacher gets a little too fired up and just gets a little bit overboard breathing fire against Sodom, because to, you can't offend me on this subject. <laughs> Something's wrong with you when you want to run to these people's defense, side with them, and get mad at your brother in Christ who's righteously indignant against wickedness and doing the work of the Lord, preaching the word of God. Folks, the Bible says they should be killed. That's what the Bible says. They should be executed by the government. Leviticus 20:13. The Bible says that they're vile and disgusting beasts. The Bible says they're worthy of death in Romans chapter 1. The Bible says they're going to suffer the vengeance of eternal fire. The Bible says that it's a shame even to speak of the things done of them in secret. I mean, the Bible goes on and on. The stuff that you have a problem with, you have a problem with the Creator, sir. Here's his testimony. Let's hear his wonderful Christian testimony. I grew up going to Catholic school. That explains it. He got molested by the priest. Folks, 99% of these sodomites got molested as a kid. Because you know why? Sodomites can't reproduce. Here's a biology lesson. They can't produce a child. So therefore, they don't reproduce. They recruit, and they recruit children. And Catholic schools and Catholic churches are just replete with these sodomite pedophile priests and so yeah he grew up in a in a catholic school and then but listen to the rest of this i gotta hurry i'm almost out of time i grew up going to catholic school so i was always more comfortable with catholic liturgy than i was catholic theology and it took me a while to discover that there was a place for me in the episcopal faith while it is liturgically conservative and theologically a little more open and that's where I realized that I sit, too. Okay, here's what he's saying. Let me just break this down for you, just because I know about religion. You know, having studied these things and being a pastor, I, I know about religion. Let me explain something to you about the Roman Catholic Church. The Roman Catholic Church believes that they have never changed. They don't believe that they can change their... They, they're like, we're the apostolic church from the beginning, and we don't change. So when they make these pronouncements, they have to stay with them. You know what I mean? Like when the Pope speaks ex cathedra, that's God talking. So they have to stay with that stuff. Whereas Protestants are, are semper reformanda. They're always reforming. They can always change. So here's what's going on. Even though the Catholic Church has gotten as liberal as they possibly can, 
There are certain lines that they can't cross because then they'd have to admit that they're changing stuff. That's why they don't have women priests and that's why they don't have openly active sodomite priests because they've already said in the past they're not going to do it and they have to have this thing of like, we don't change. We don't make mistakes. Do you understand what I'm saying? Because yeah. uh, what are Catholics really into? If it starts with a T. What's their big thing? They don't believe the Bible. They believe in their Traditions. tradition. So because they're real big on tradition, that's going to slow them down from getting super duper progressive on certain things because they have to kind of stay by statements that they've made in the past. Does everybody understand what I'm saying? Whereas the Protestants are not so constrained. So basically, here's what he's saying. He's saying, well, I liked the Catholic liturgy, but I didn't like the Catholic doctrine. Folks, the Catholic doctrine he's talking about not liking is anything that's even like halfway biblical. He wants to just go all the way off the reservation and just into just open sodomy. The Catholic Church isn't going to go there with him. So what he's basically, let me just boil this down in a nutshell for you. He there are certain things that the Catholic Church actually has right, even though it's a wicked, false religion or whatever. Obviously, there's always truth mixed in with the lie. So, you know, they'll say they're pro-life or they believe in the Trinity or, you know, certain things that they'll say... Basically, here's what he's saying. The few things that the Catholic Church is right about, he rejects those. So he had to go to the Episcopalian Church where he can be pro-murder, pro-abortion, pro-sodomite, you know, feminist, all these different things. You know, you can have a lesbian pastor and everything, which you can't do in the Catholic Church, right? But then he wants to keep all the really bad stuff about the Catholic Church, all the hocus pocus, because that's the liturgy. Am I right? That's the, the hocus. He wants to keep all the hocus pocus nonsense idolatry. He wants all the idolatry. He loves the idolatry. You know, I love worshiping Satan, and bowing down to devils and idols and worshiping all these uh, saints and doing necromancy. I got to keep all that. I like the liturgy. You know, I like going to a church where, where there's no real Bible preaching. I like that. But can I go there? But, 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 but these like three things that the Catholic Church has right, can I go to one that discards those at least? Because I don't even want to retain God in my knowledge. And then it's like, oh, well, the Episcopalian Church is perfect for you. Because, I mean, over here, it's anything goes. They're practically atheists over there, literally. Folks, a lot of these Protestant churches are literally like one step from being an atheist. I'm not kidding. A lot of these Protestant pastors will say they don't even believe in God. Now, I'm not talking about conservative Protestant churches. I'm talking about these like Episcopalians. I'm talking about the ones that have like a rainbow on the flag and all, of the church and everything. So that gives you an idea of what's going on today among so-called Christians in Iowa, okay, You've got, on the one side, you've got this horrible, sodomite, degenerate, reprobate AIDS dispenser. And then on the other side, you've got Donald Trump saying, it's great, it's terrific, it's fine. So who, who am I supposed to vote for? This is why I don't vote. Why, I'm not going to vote for either of these degenerates. I'm not going to vote for the lesser of two evils. Because you know what? I'd rather vote by going soul winning. I'd rather vote on my knees praying. Amen. I'd rather vote by preaching the word of God.
Because I'm influencing more people by preaching the Word of God. You're influencing more people by preaching and knocking doors and so on than you can in the rigged election at the ballot box. And let me tell you something. These are the two views that are out there, folks. The, the hard left view and then just the, the sodomite light. You know, the, 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 the dev, you, got, you got the devil and you got the devil light. And folks, we need to put out a third option. Not the Trump-styled doctrine of, it's terrific, it's fine, I don't have a problem with it. Not the booty judge doctrine of, well, God made me this way, and, you know, and this is normal, and you should get, you know, you need to read the Bible, and, and it's, you know, it promotes my lifestyle, and, and chasten is whatever, you know. But the thing is, we need a third option that says, you know what, homosexuals are disgusting, we hate them, they're not allowed in our church. They're not allowed in our family. Any, you know what I'll do if I find out that one of my extended relatives is a sodomite? I ostracize them. Right. You know, everybody's got that queer uncle, don't they? Well, guess what? I got one too. And you know what? I haven't had anything to do with him or seen him in decades. Amen. And I never will. Because he's a rotten piece of filth. He's filled with disease. Last time I checked, he was filled with all kinds of infections and diseases. He's a filthy sodomite. I hate him. And when he dies, I'll rejoice and spit on his grave. And by the way, did I mention he's a pedophile too? Oh, whoops. All homos are pedophiles. Whether they've done it yet or not, that's what's in their heart. They're filled with all unrighteousness. They go after any kind of strange flesh that they can go after. And let me tell you something. Okay, these people should not be allowed into your home. Do not let them around your family. Do not get, stay away from them. You know, my, even, even my son, I mean, he, you know. Now, look, I understand that there are certain situations where you have to deal with people and just kind of hold your nose. Like, for example, if you're working at your job, your boss calls the shots. And, you know, like, for example, I used to have to go work on the fire alarm at a lot of Bed Bath & Beyond stores. And you're not going to believe this, but all the men who work at Bed Bath & Beyond aren't straight. <laughs> now, there are, there are some straight men that work there, so we don't want to give them all a bad name. In fact, you know, I know a godly Christian man who works at a Bed Bath & Beyond. But you know what? Some of them were not straight. Okay? Surprise! So, you know, I remember every once in a while I'd have to go get a signature from the manager or something. And it was just, I would just try to interact with them as little as possible. And I, I came this close to blowing my top one time because this, this just openly flamboyant sodomite manager, I came up to get my paperwork signed as I'm leaving, and he walks up and he goes, oh, you fixed me. And I'm just like, it's like, sign here. You know, but it's like, okay, you know, sometimes you just have to just get your paperwork signed, Usually I try to find like a different manager or a different employee to get, to get it signed or whatever. But, you know, I, thankfully I've never had to work closely with people like that. But, you know, every once in a while you got to get your paper. Obviously when you're on the clock for someone else, you got to follow their rules and whatever. But, you know, for example, my son, you know, he went to, uh, I forget where he was, but uh, I don't know, was this you, Isaac, where you wouldn't receive the IC from the, who was that? John, where were you? Yeah, he was at like a he was at one of these tram these indoor trampoline parks, 
and he went to order a beverage or something and he walked in and basically some freak, some sodomite homo, and he said, stop. I'm not going to eat or drink anything that he touches. I need you to do it. And then they're just kind of like, okay. And then the woman did it, and she's like, that was really rude or whatever. And he's just like, I don't care. <laughs> but you know what? If 20 people did that in a row, that guy's going to be out of a job. Right. And you know what? I, one time I walked into a gas, gas station, and there was some cross-dressed freak behind the counter at the gas station. And you know what? I, I just turned around and walked out. I'm just like, I'm never going to this place again. I don't want to deal with that. And you know what? Businesses will, are losing money when they put these people. Because yeah. any normal people, they, they, they start to walk up to that door and they see that behind the counter, they're just kind of like, <laughs> am I right? Yeah. Say, well, how dare you? Folks, if you don't feel that way, you're not normal. Yeah. Or you've just been so desensitized and so brainwashed that you're comfortable with that. Like, you're comfortable, like, dealing with that, and I don't even want them touching my money. I don't want, you know, I mean, when I'm on the airplane, and, and, and one of these flamboyant male stewardesses is, like, wanting to serve, I'm just like, no, I don't want any snacks. I want nothing to drink. Like, get away from me. <sighs> Folks, we're living in some weird times. We need to, to go with what the Bible said. Don't let them get through to you. Amen. Don't let them wear you down. Because it's, it's easy just year after year to just finally just let them wear you down. That's why we need the Master Conference. That's why we need Bible preaching. Because we need somebody to remind us and give us a little sanity check every once in a while, right? right. Make sure that we haven't gone into that. We are living in a literal insane asylum here with the world yeah. the way it is. And we need God's Word to keep us grounded in what's normal and what's right. And the Bible says everything we need to know on this subject. And, and look, I've got plenty of other sermons. If, if, if you need more help on this subject, I've got sermons where I've gone in depth. Now, you know, you got you to gotta search for these by name because they've all been deleted from my channel. They get striked. But if you go on YouTube, someone's always mirroring them somewhere. You can always find them somewhere. Search for the homo agenda versus reality. Or another title, sometimes it's called the Sodomite Agenda versus Reality. You can find that sermon. I did a sermon called Becoming a Reprobate, The Truth About the Sodomites, Aids the Judgment of God. I mean, there's a lot more. I can't think of all the titles, but there's a lot of good preaching out there. Plus, we're going to have the Massa DVDs. You know, I know Patrick Boyle's already got them, but we're going to get them tomorrow. All right? So we're getting them tomorrow. So Wednesday night, we're going to have them. All right, Pastor Boyle, got, he got a little ahead of us on this one. He hosted the conference after all. He deserves to get them first. But anyway, you know, grab one of those DVDs on, on Wednesday night off the shelf, one of those massive DVDs, you know, and keep that thing for posterity, you know, because this stuff's getting censored. And, and you know what? Watch that stuff. Play that stuff for your kids because you know what? Your kids are getting brainwashed. Wouldn't you, wouldn't you hate to just be around Thanksgiving like 20 years from now and have your adult children just being like, well, I'm totally fine. It's terrific. I think it's great, you know, that, that we have a homo president or something, you know, in 2035 or something. Wouldn't you? You'd be like, where did I go wrong? And then you're, you're going to wish you could go back in time and get that Massa DVD. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to be like, if I could just get a time machine, I'd grab the massive DVDs up. They're free, folks, right? They're, everything on those shelves back there is free. 
if I could just go back in a time machine, I'd just get that and, and have my kids watch that, you know, and learn the truth about it. Because the truth is so much more powerful than the lies. Amen. Let's pray our heads and have a word of prayer. Father, we thank you so much for your word, Lord. And, and thank you, Lord, that we have the freedom of speech in America. Lord, there are countries where this sermon would, would get me arrested and thrown in jail just for getting up and just speaking my mind and just, just unfiltered, uncensored, just, just speaking the truth and, and, and preaching the word and, 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 and uh, giving these, these thoughts that, that should be common sense. Lord, thank you for the freedom of speech that we have in America, Lord. Thank you for uh, warning us about these things in your word, Lord. And I, and I just pray that you would just destroy and wipe out these, uh, these wicked sodomites in our country, Lord, before they turn this into Sodom and Gomorrah. And Lord, protect us and our families from these horrible freaks, Lord, that are out to prey upon and, and defile our children, Lord. Help us to keep their minds safe. Help us to keep their eyes and ears from seeing and hearing their horrible deeds. And in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Number 202, My Redeemer, song number 202. Thank you. 
Yeah. 